Thank you for watching NTD Business coming up tonight. New emails show the White House allegedly instructed social media companies to censor certain info about COVID vaccines. We hear from a lawyer involved in the lawsuit against the federal government. Thousands of nurses go on strike in New York City. Why and what does it mean for patients? And a U.S. safety agency considering banning natural gas stoves after a report brings up health concerns. That and much more coming up on NTD Business. Great to have you with us. Don Ma here. Do you cook on a gas stove at home? Well, about 40% of U.S. homes use them. But now a federal agency is considering banning them because of health and respiratory concerns. Last month, a report said more than 12% of asthma cases in children are linked to gas stoves. It was published in the International Journal of Environmental Research and Public Health. The U.S. Product Safety Commissioner told Bloomberg the stoves are a hidden hazard. He said... All options are on the table, including banning them. The American Gas Association, on the other hand, disagrees with how the study was conducted, saying the results are unreliable. The safety agency plans to open public comment this winter on the dangers of gas stoves. Newly released emails allegedly show that social media companies censored certain information on COVID vaccines. They apparently did so after receiving multiple directives from the White House. In May of 2022, Republicans attorneys general from southern states sued the Biden administration for allegedly pressuring and colluding with social media giants to suppress free speech. Now, just a few days ago, email conversations were released as part of that lawsuit. Missouri Attorney General Andrew Bailey, who is part of the suit, published the emails on Twitter. They appear to show White House employees instructing social media companies on how to handle information about COVID vaccines, like this email to Twitter, which addresses a post made by Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Wanted to flag the below tweet, and I'm wondering if we can get moving on the process for having it removed ASAP. Janine Yunez is involved in the same lawsuit as Attorney General Bailey. Yunus, who represents some of the private plaintiffs in the suit, tells NTD that First Amendment rights prohibit the government from using private companies to censor certain ideas. We had a lot of evidence that this was happening already, but these new emails sort of take it to another level because they show the government really threatening the tech companies, especially here, it's Facebook and Google. In an op-ed for the Wall Street Journal, Yunus gave an example of such strong language allegedly used by the White House after Facebook didn't take the desired measures to censor a certain post. A White House employee apparently wrote an email to Facebook saying, we are gravely concerned that your service is one of the top drivers of vaccine hesitancy, period. We want to know that you're trying. We want to know how we can help. And we want to know that you're not playing a shell game. This would all be a lot easier if you would just be straight with us. Now, another thing that's being revealed with these new emails is that, according to Yunez, the government previously said that social media companies actually wanted to stop the spread of so-called misinformation on vaccines and that the government and social media had the same goals, which turns out not to be true. These emails show that in the beginning of 2021, the companies really were not censoring as much. They were not censoring people for so-called COVID misinformation to this degree. And uh, the government, this, especially this Rob Flaherty in the White House, took it to another level. NTD reached out to the White House for comment, but didn't hear back before broadcast. Reporting by Arian Pastar, NTD News. In Seattle, the local school district is suing social media companies, including TikTok and Meta. 
They say the tech giants are causing the mental health crisis among teenagers. In the lawsuit, Seattle Public Schools said, quote, defendants have successfully exploited the vulnerable brains of youth, hooking tens of millions of students across the country into positive feedback loops of excessive use and abuse of defendants' social media platforms. The lawsuit blames social media platforms for causing behavioral disorders with use, including anxiety, depression, eating disorders, and cyberbullying. Seattle appears to be the first school district to file such a complaint, while hundreds of families are pursuing similar lawsuits. Newly elected House Speaker Kevin McCarthy says cutting back planned funding for the IRS is the first thing he'll try to do. It comes on the heels of a new report which says the IRS has been targeting low-income earners with more audits than high earners. Here's NTD's Colin Fredrickson with more. A recent report by Syracuse University says the IRS is continuing to audit more low-income groups than billionaires and millionaires. During fiscal year 2022, the rate of income tax audits per 1,000 individuals reportedly stood at 12.7 for the lowest-income wage earners and 2.3 for everyone else. This made low-income wage earners the taxpayer class with by far the highest audit rates, clocking around five and a half times more than everyone else. The report gives a possible explanation for that, saying that low-income wage earners have historically been targeted not because they account for the most tax underreporting, but because they are easy marks in an era when IRS increasingly relies upon correspondence audits, yet doesn't have the resources to assist taxpayers or answer their questions. The report comes as Republicans have said they'll repeal the Biden administration's push to hire 87,000 new IRS agents. The Inflation Reduction Act had set aside $80 billion in funding for hiring the new agents. Only around $3 billion was set aside for taxpayer services, with around $45 billion going for tax enforcement. The move was met with strong resistance from the GOP. Thousands of nurses at two New York City hospitals went on strike today after contract negotiations stalled over pay and staffing levels a move that caused one of the facilities to postpone procedures and appointments. NTD's Char Marshall was on the scene of the protests at Mount Sinai Hospital. Who got the power? You got the power! You got the power! More than 7,000 nurses have walked out and are protesting at Montfiore Medical Center in the Bronx and Mount Sinai Hospital in Manhattan. The nurses are demanding fair, fair wages, they're demanding safe staffing, and they're demanding enforcement of that safe staffing. Since beginning contract negotiations four months ago, the union had been able to reach agreements or new contracts for nurses at seven other New York City hospitals. We cannot have 500 vacancies in our hospital and have no accountability for management not fulfilling those vacancies. Like, how can you have 55 NICU babies and only 16 nurses? That's a very unfair ratio. It's unfair to the babies. It's unfair to the nurses. So that's why we're out here in the street. Nurses gave a 10-day notice on December 30th to give an opportunity to fix the problem by coming to the table and negotiate a fair contract or make proper arrangements. The fact that management decided not to come to the table and have a fair contract, they have failed the community. They have failed the patients. 
New York City Mayor Eric Adams said on Sunday that he and his staff were closely monitoring the situation and that the city's health care system is prepared to meet any challenges that may arise due to the work stoppage. From what we've heard, the patients are fine for right now. They're on our side. A lot of them have canceled their appointments to be out here with us today because they understand we were, they, we were taking care of them during COVID and they stood by us then and they're standing by us now. Montfiore said the strike forced them to reschedule all elective surgeries and procedures and postpone appointments at ambulatory locations. Mount Sinai said most of its outpatient appointments and procedures are going forward as scheduled. Sean Marshall, NTD News. And on Wall Street, stocks closed mixed today. The Dow lost 113 points or three-tenths of a percent. S&P dropped three points or a tenth of a percent. NASDAQ rose 66 points or six-tenths of a percent. Agricultural equipment maker John Deere is giving farmers more options. Farmers will soon be able to repair agriculture equipment on their own. The agreement follows years of lawsuits and complaints about the repair limitations Deere has imposed on its products and technology. It marks a major victory for farmers, meaning they can diagnose and fix their own John Deere tractors without using company parts or facilities. The American Farm Bureau Federation says the agreement also protects John Deere's intellectual property. And LinkedIn is seeing a resurgence thanks in part to recent layoffs in the tech and media industries. In 2022, the LinkedIn mobile app was downloaded some 58 million times. That's up 10% from the previous year, according to research firm Sensor Tower. LinkedIn says it has seen record engagement among its 875 million members. Meanwhile, there were 22% more posts in November mentioning open to work compared to the previous year. All this engagement has been good for business. Seems like LinkedIn saw a 17% year-over-year revenue growth in the three months ending in September. And Binance, the world's largest cryptocurrency exchange, is under heavy fire. Government agencies are scrutinizing it like never before. The Washington Post says federal prosecutors are subpoenaing hedge funds, forcing them to hand over all communication records with Binance. And even the SEC is involved. It has publicly objected to Binance's desire to buy Voyager Digital, a crypto brokerage firm. The Department of Justice itself is looking at them and being potentially involved in a massive money laundering scheme where Binance might get charged as well as a number of individuals. They've also got the Committee on Foreign Investment that's looking around at them that might potentially stop deals like this from going through with Voyager Digital and make it impossible for them to do any other sorts of deals in the near future. Regulators also want to know if money laundering is happening on the crypto platform. Binance had a reputation of letting people trade crypto anonymously, hypothetically making it a good place to launder money. It says that it's changed its ways over the past two years, but regulators are reportedly still looking into it. Business law professor Nicholas Creel says it's more than likely criminals used Binance to illegally launder money. It's a near certainty. Again, the cryptocurrency industry has been one that does have very legitimate uses when it comes to people who are looking to protect their privacy, particularly when you're dealing with authoritarian governments that want to track your every financial move. That said, What's good for those individuals is also incredibly good for the criminal element because it brings that degree of privacy to be able to operate in the shadows. But regulatory scrutiny aside, customers are also withdrawing money. Forbes reports that in just the past two months, 
$12 billion worth of assets have left Binance. In fact, just last Friday, an estimated $360 million left. The CEO of Binance, Changpeng Zhao, commonly known as CZ, says that Binance is fine. He also says that while the crypto industry is hurt, it will come back stronger. But with all these events taking place, many see problems coming for CZ and his company. This is, of course, happening after the fall of FTX, another cryptocurrency exchange. The discovery that FTX was allegedly stealing customer assets cast a dark shadow over all fellow crypto exchanges and the entire crypto industry as a whole. One person who's been impacted by the chaos in the crypto industry is Mark Fiddleman, the managing director for crypto firm SmartBlocks. He says the FTX collapse has raised concerns if other crypto exchanges have enough funds to back its customers' deposits, including at Binance. It'll be in trouble if they don't have what they're, what they're required to have, which is a dollar-for-dollar dollar deposit ratio, so that if there's a big run on the, the exchange, which it appears like they have, uh, that they can cover all of those deposits because that's what Binance was, was committed to and that's what they've stated publicly. And CZ has told the public that this is the case. Meanwhile, he tweeted that he will spend the new year focusing on education, compliance, and product and service while ignoring fear, uncertainty, and doubt. We've reached out to CZ, but he didn't respond before airtime. And moving on, a hidden Chinese tracking device has been found in a UK government car, sparking growing concerns over Chinese espionage. At least one SIM card capable of transmitting location data was found. Security officials discovered the device in a routine search of government vehicles. According to sources, the location transmitter was found inside a sealed part of the vehicle. It was installed by the vehicle's manufacturer before being imported from China. The Chinese regime has dismissed allegations of espionage as unfounded rumors. The device's discovery has prompted the UK government to review urgently security threats coming out of China. China's strict pandemic border controls have come to an end, has lifted mandatory quarantine rules for inbound travelers, and has allowed its citizens to go abroad. But as of Monday, flights are scarce, and several countries are requiring negative COVID tests for travelers from China, as a wave of infections is surging across the country. Matthew Larotonda reports. These are the first Chinese tourists to arrive in Thailand on a direct flight from China in three years. 200 of them, a momentous occasion for them now that China's government has ended the strict COVID border controls that largely kept its citizens from traveling abroad since the start of the pandemic. China finally reopened on Sunday to jubilant scenes at airports. This is one of the tourists. We are very excited to come back to Thailand. We are waiting for three years already. Before the, the COVID, we come here every year. And this time I take my family to come here. Long lines in Beijing as people eagerly await to renew their passports. The government says it expects people to take two billion trips this season. But in these early days of reopening, it's only a trickle, not a flood, not yet. Flight data shows that on Sunday there were 245 international flights coming and going from China. On the same day in 2019, there were over two and a half thousand. 
Also, several countries are still cautious about how to deal with inbound Chinese travelers. The World Health Organization has accused the Chinese government of underreporting the ongoing COVID outbreak inside its borders that is overwhelming its hospitals and crematoriums, while Beijing has downplayed the severity. The United States has imposed mandatory negative COVID tests on travelers from China, as has the UK, Japan, Spain, and others. Taiwan said Monday that nearly 20% of recent arrivals from China have tested positive. And this crowd of Tesla owners gathered to protest on Saturday at one of the electric car makers' Chinese showrooms. Police soon arrived on the scene. They're demanding rebates and credit after the company slashed its prices for the Model Y and Model 3 in the country. The reductions marked the third round in just three months, and buyers say that means they overpaid for the cars they bought earlier. Nearly 200 turned out at a delivery center in Shanghai with other demonstrations in Chengdu and Shenzhen. The reduced price tags are a move to spur sales and support production at Tesla's Shanghai plant. That's as demand falls for the company's battery-powered cars in China, the world's largest market, and as it faces increasing competition from EV rivals. After Friday's surprise discounts, Tesla's electric vehicle prices in China now range between 13 and 24 percent below their September levels. And changes are coming to Chinese fintech giant Ant Group. Founder Jack Ma is giving up control of the company. Ant Group is going through a forced restructuring that's after its $37 billion IPO was canceled at the last minute in November 2020. It would have been the world's largest. As for what's driving the move, the company's overhaul has been pushed by Chinese regulators. Authorities had planned to slap a more than $1 billion fine on the company, part of a widespread clampdown on the country's tech sector in the past two years. It targeted mainly monopolies and unfair competition and sought to cut the strength and influence of privately owned businesses and their leaders in the country. Companies have lost hundreds of billions of dollars in value because of it. Chinese authorities have softened their tone in recent months, though. Now they're trying to revive the $17 trillion Chinese economy badly hit by the pandemic. And taking a break now, but if you have any news tips or feedback for the show, you can email us at business at ntd.com. Still to come, Amazon introducing a ring camera for your car. What can it do and how much is it? The CES Tech Show in Las Vegas featuring healthcare technology. We take a look at some of the new gadgets. That and more coming up on NTD Business. Welcome back. Amazon is introducing a ring camera for your car. It's a small dual-facing camera that sits on the dashboard and captures the vehicle's exterior as well as its interior. It's able to detect activities such as a break-in and begin recording, while also sending a live alert and video to the owner. There's also a traffic stop feature that lets drivers start recording when they get pulled over or have an accident. The device supports a cellular connection but requires a subscription to Ring's Protect Go service at $6 a month or $60 per year. An LED light indicates when the camera is recording and there's an interior privacy shutter so we can cut off audio or video at any time. 
You can pre-order the Ring Car Cam for $200 now before the formal launch next month. In February, the price goes up to $250. And more than 115,000 visitors attended CES in 2023 in Las Vegas. The consumer electronics event featured a range of products, including new health technology. NTD's Andrew Thomas has the details on some of the more intriguing gadgets. A Tokyo-based company has created a robotic cushion named Fufuli to soothe owners to sleep. The cushion mimics a slow breathing pattern its owners can naturally synchronize with, allowing them to unwind, relax, or fall asleep. If you go to a yoga class, they teach you how to breathe correctly to sleep better. Uh, with this, you don't have to think about it because your body will naturally follow what this pillow is doing. French startup iVirtual showcased Kadisi. The company's diagnosis technology is able to monitor vital signs from a user's 30-second selfie video. Doctors will be able to see data like heart and respiratory rate ahead of a consultation. So what we are looking, we are looking the skin of the face and with what we see, we see the blood moving through the skin. So it's signal analysis. We measure the pulse waveform by signal analysis directly on the face of the person. And the respiratory rate, we just look at the chest and we count, we count the movement. Smart technology has made its way to the toilet bowl. French firm WeThings Smart Home Urine Lab detects and monitors a variety of biomarkers found in urine. You scan, what we've managed to do is fit uh, into a toilet, a miniaturized lab. Very important because urine uh, actually has over 3,000 metabolites, so a wealth of information that today typically is not used very much uh, because it's very difficult. The results are delivered to a smartphone app, providing analysis and recommendations based on the data. Well, most people do not like to go and have a urinalysis. So, yes. so typically people will go once a year um, instead of being able to have that information tested over a regular basis and be given the longitudinal data, which can give much more insights to, um, to improve health. CES 2023 ran from January 5th through the 8th. More than 115,000 people attended. Andrew Thomas, NTD News. Ronzoni has announced its tiny star-shaped pastina will be discontinued this month. And foodies on social media are outraged, saddened, and disappointed over the news. The pasta has been a fan favorite for a very long time, often making appearances in soups. According to Ronzani, the decision to discontinue pastina was made after its long-term supplier said it would no longer be able to make the pasta. The company said it was unable to find an alternative solution. The dismay is such that there are petitions for Ronzani to keep pastina. As of this morning, one petition had more than 2,800 signatures. And that's the latest from the NTD business team and myself, Don Ma. You can follow me on Twitter, too. And if you have any news tips or feedback for the show, you can email us at business at NTD.com. That's all for today. Thank you for watching. We'll see you tomorrow.